This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today we've got a very special guest with us. I'm so excited about this session, this episode. We have uh, Brother Mark Johnson with us, an incredible minister of the gospel. I'm so excited about this episode because it's a topic that's needful um, and it's going to be very important. So uh, tune in and, 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 and have your ears ready to listen uh, because you're not going to want to miss a single thing. Uh, so, uh, Brother Johnson, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your background, and your ministry. Thanks, sir. It's an honor to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm a pastor at the uh, Elkhart Life Church in Elkhart, Indiana. have pastored there for about 10, or 22 years at this point and uh, pastored a smaller church in Laporte for about nine and a half years. I was bivocational during that time. Um, I actually, when I graduated from Bible school, I'm from Georgia, but I married my wife from Indiana. And so we came and started with a home missions church. I was a youth pastor in a home missions church when I first came out of Bible school. And uh, we assisted uh, her home church for a few years. And then um, her uncle was a missionary to Hong Kong and died um, while he was still a missionary. So we felt a urge, a call to go help. And uh, we went there as Amers and um, started a Bible school with Brother Forbush, who's now passed away. Um, Brother Robert Arthur was there along with several others uh, that I've become very close friends with. Uh, so we were there for a year as Amer, and then came back to Indiana, and we assisted in, in Bloomington and in Plymouth before we started pastoring and uh, Laporte. So we traveled a bit. My dad was uh, military growing up, and so we traveled a lot, six months here, nine months there. Um, so I'm used to some travel, and we lived internationally and all over uh, the South and the Midwest. Uh, growing up, so quite an interesting um, travel time. Wow, that's that's tremendous. Um, I wish we had enough time to be able to talk a little bit about uh, your experience as a namer, but uh, maybe maybe we'll have another opportunity. Uh, but let's let's go right into right into what you what you've prepared. I'm again very excited. So, well. I- I do district work. I'm a district secretary um, and have done youth ministry, children's ministry, uh, district secretary. So I've had a variety of roles that I interact with uh, the whole body in the state. I've had some projects that have led me out of state. I work with Reach Out America, which is a uh, organization designed for disaster relief. Um, I'm on Tupelo Children's Mansion's board, so they're helping kids. So yeah, a wide variety of experiences. A few years ago, we worked with uh, a team to help them bring about what we called launcher ministry at that time. And um, so that was something that ended up going and developing into uh, Ministry Central. Um, 
we tried to help cast the vision to all the departments that they would come on board and bring their training into a central pool and make it available for uh, anyone that would be interested, not just in our organization, but also other organizations. That ministry training would be available to them. So a lot of my ministry has been engaging um, with organizations and um, large entities trying to bring um, uh, positive results, uh, training, development, ministry training, young ministry training. Uh, we've done some launcher ministry things in Indiana, trying to help young ministers see themselves for who God called them to be. And uh, it's been very, very interesting and exciting to be engaged in the, the big work of the church, not just my church, but all of us together and trying to encourage and strengthen. So I've thought a lot about us, uh, the big we, I call it the big we, uh, and not the little me. Uh, and sometimes we can get uh, off focus by focusing on the little me, what's good for me, what's important for me, and not then what's important for the big we what's important as a pastor I want to be valuable to the we of my community um, a few years ago we had a, a saying up on our screen had the local mayor come in and uh, I was a little embarrassed he's a very Christian man and has been a friend to our church um, and to me personally so but he made a comment sitting on the front row with me we had a statement on the screen, something about we want to see our family saved, and you know we want to. It, it went on from there, and it really talked about our families and the people we're connected to saved. And the mayor leaned over to me and he said, "What about our community? What about the rest of the town?" I said, "Well, yeah, obviously we're interested in that, and we're trying to do that." He said, "But your statement on the screen doesn't say that." And I can't tell you how embarrassed I was, not that that was a part of our focus, but in that moment, it didn't appear to be. And I wanted wow. everything that we're trying to do to say we're reaching out beyond the walls of our church and trying to win our community. So we immediately changed the, the phrasing to say we want all of our community to be saved. We want to engage uh, our community. And I've done um, prison ministry. I was a chaplain in Michigan City, which is a level five facility for a number of years. Uh, while I was bivocational, uh, I pastored, I did had a computer job, owned my own company, and uh, did some computer work. One of my clients was Procter & Gamble and was very engaged um, at work. I also served in a district role at the same time. So I was wearing a lot of hats um, and trying to accomplish a lot of different things. So serving beyond myself and in ways that wouldn't um, necessarily impact me or reward me, but that might reward the greater community. In thinking about that, um, you, you've got to think of all the great heroes of faith. Um, you start with Adam and Eve, and it seems like they went wrong in uh, trying to satisfy me. I want to be like God. I want to have the, the wisdom or the knowledge of God or the power of God, whatever it was that 
that drove Eve and tempted Eve to uh, take a bite. And then her husband followed suit and they were not interested. They were not thinking about the big picture. Obviously, they, they really couldn't see the big picture. And so I think we at our stage uh, have a much greater opportunity to view the big picture. Um, and, and this is really uh, in a big picture view. Uh, a mother views the big picture of what her kids are going to be and what opportunities they're going to have. We have a lot of interactions uh, with parents, mothers especially. And I'm actually here doing the interview in the gym on our campground. Um, and we're headed into family camp. We've had two weeks of youth camp that I've been here for. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll have two weeks of children's camp. And uh, you have a lot of interaction with people. And parents often try to, to um, you know, lead, fight for their kids. They want to influence them. They want to be a very positive influence. And they want to protect them from negativity because they're looking at the big picture. And I've seen parents really step out of themselves to try and help their children, to try and sometimes fight their battles, sometimes run interference for their children, a lot of different ways. And they really step out. Uh, people that could be timid and not really want to be up in the forefront, but when it comes to their kids, they're willing to step out. Um, so in a bigger way, though, you think of Abraham, who came out of Ur of the Chaldees, and uh, left for a city he didn't know, a land he didn't know, because God was calling him, and in that, God was promising uh, him a nation. Out of him would come a nation of people. So Abraham didn't do what he did for his benefit. He did what he did for the benefit of those that were coming. Scripture says he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God, but we all know he never found that city, but he did step out of himself. It did cost him. He had to go through difficulties with neighbors, difficulties with government, uh, difficulties with his relationship with his wife and maybe some mistakes he made. Uh, but all along the way, he's still going for the big we. Uh, we're going to be a people. We're going to be a nation. God has called us. We're going to be a light. We're going to be um, an influencer in society. I think you still see that in um, at least a segment of the Jewish population. Um, if you've been to Israel, you look at Israel, they have a lot of successes. A lot of their companies are producing extremely fine product that they're making available to the world. Um, Israel has done some amazing things in providing food, providing the, the method to grow food in very arid places. Uh, they have a drip irrigation system that they've really uh, almost perfected. And then they turn around and open it up and say, we're willing to teach you. If you want to come, we'll show you how this works. We'll teach you the principles. And uh, they may end up selling some parts as part of that process and it might benefit them, but really it's benefiting the community that they're selling to. Um, you buy the parts once, but you can use the system for years and years and years to provide food in an arid climate. So they're really giving themselves, giving of themselves um, 
to the larger community. And even sometimes, if you check their history, they've given them to their enemies. They've given them to people who have not been their friends. Um, you see the same in, in Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. They all uh, are fighting for the big picture. Joseph's wrestling uh, for the big picture. Uh, or Jacob's wrestling for the big picture. Joseph is willing for his brothers to sell him into slavery and yet hold on to the big picture. He's uh, fighting for we. He's fighting for the will of God. When he's been rejected by his family, uh, his father is uh, unaware of his existence. He's literally alone in the world in a prison and yet won't um, give up his uh, his longing, his love for God, for his family, uh, for the future. And you can see that in, in the way uh, Jacob and Joseph plan out uh, their deaths even. Uh, Jacob, take my bones back. Joseph, make sure whenever you leave, there's going to be a day that you leave. Take me with you. We're going back to the promised land. We're not going to be here. And they're they're speaking of the big we when they didn't really have anything but the promise of God uh, at some point earlier in their life that there would be a big we. They believed in Abraham's promises. They believed in Isaac's promises. I believe Joseph believed in Jacob's promises. Jacob's story of his relationship with God and what God was going to do with the people of Israel. And so they were believing in the big picture. They were believing in the big we. This is going to be important for us. It, it may not be important for me today. I might not find the city today, but I'm going to find the city someday. You see the same thing in David. Uh, David sacrificed himself. He, David was a surprising leader. Uh, he led against the grain. He led uh, against his own benefit at times. He allowed himself to be driven out of Jerusalem without a fight because that is the um, that is what is good for Jerusalem. That's what's good for the people. And his own men didn't understand, why are you doing this, David? And he gets cursed from a mountaintop, and, and uh, his men want to go up and solve the problem with swords and spears. And David's uh, still going for the big we. Don't do that. Uh, let God handle it. Let God, you know, maybe God's got a purpose for it. If not, maybe God will turn what's going on to me around because I'm not willing to fight my own battle. I'm going to let God fight for us, fight for right and righteousness. And so he was willing to be um, uh, abased. He's willing to be abused in order to fight for the big we. Wow. In America, we find it somewhat difficult. Uh, we claim our rights. We claim, you know, this is, uh, I shouldn't have to face this. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to go down. I need to go up. And yet, Scripture repeats over and over and over again, people who are willing to go down in order for God to go up. Jesus did it. Jesus sacrificed himself to go up. Not for himself, but his whole purpose was for us. And he was willing to lay down his life for us. And you find his disciples 
with that same mentality. Um, Peter's willing to go to jail, and then he comes back rejoicing that uh, he has suffered persecution. Paul, in the same vein, is willing uh, to be beaten, to be uh, abused, to be uh, stoned, to be left for dead, and yet he wasn't doing it for himself. He's writing some of the epistles from prison, and you don't find a lot of, woe is me, man, you ought to see the wound that I've got, you ought to see my back, you ought to see the difficulty that I've faced. Um, I heard a good friend of mine, Perry Long, uh, Sunday's sermon, I listened to it over the internet, and uh, he preached on Jesus saying, beginning first at Jerusalem. It was a beautiful thought. Jesus told his disciples right before he uh, ascended into heaven, I want you to go in Jerusalem, and uh, I want you to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Well, he brought it out, and I felt like it applied to what we're talking about today. Jesus started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place that stoned the prophets. Jerusalem was a place that rejected the voice of God, the voice of God through men, through his prophets, and uh, killed them. And, and there's many stories of Israel, Jerusalem, rejecting what God said. And yet, when he was sacrificed, it was Jerusalem that sacrificed him. It was Jerusalem that called for his execution. It was Jerusalem that chose a, uh, a murderer over the Savior. And yet Jesus had it in his heart to say, let's start first in Jerusalem. Let's start where they rejected us. Let's start where they uh, abused me. Let's start where they crucified me. So some of the big we has got to come from a heart of uh, forgiveness. Jesus said, you know, don't uh, lay this into their charge. Don't charge them. Make them guilty. Allow them to, to have grace and mercy. And one of the great points, I believe, of grace and mercy, there's a fly flying around my head. And we've got a whole gym, and I don't know why he's choosing to fly around my head, but he keeps doing that. So you've got this whole city that has rejected him, emblematic of a whole nation that rejects him. And yet when he starts passing out mercy and grace, he starts there. He starts with forgiveness to the people that hurt him most. And I think the big we um, has to go to forgiveness. You have to talk about forgiveness. Um, people get stepped on. Everybody that's tried to do anything has people that step on them, that don't understand, don't agree, don't like. Um, I had a lady when I was a young man, uh, an assistant pastor, I was leaving that church, going to another position, and she came to me, and I didn't know anything about this. She said, um, I've really not liked you. <laughs> for the last, I don't know, I was there for eight or nine years total. For the last nine years, I, I just never liked you. I never thought you'd amount to much. I never, uh, I never could get behind you. And she said, maybe, just maybe, I was wrong. And maybe you're going to be all right. I just told her, thank you very much. And 
appreciate you saying <laughs> such kind things to me. And, and I just went on my way. I didn't know she didn't like me. Uh, all that time, she'd been nice to me. She'd never rude to me. But uh, she harbored some feeling against me. And I don't know why, and it doesn't matter. Um, but she, I had to move on. I had to allow her those feelings um, and talk to her and be friends with her when I saw her again. So you have to forgive. You can't carry a grudge because that locks you into the past and it prevents you from moving into God's future for you. Peter had to forgive and move forward. Paul certainly had to forgive. Uh, he's on a ship and, and he's a slave and they're taking him to his execution. And yet he's willing to be prophetic and uh, save their lives. If the prophecy that he received said, if everybody stays with the ship, uh, they'll all live. Maybe he could have thought, well, I'll stay with the ship and I'll let those guys, because they were mean, uh, I'll let them jump off and they're going to be lost. Uh, I think if you look at the prophecy, it probably meant they were all going to be lost if somebody got off the ship. So they had to force everyone to stay on the ship. But Paul was uh, a savior to those people who were taking him to his execution. So he had to be willing to go for the big picture. He had to be willing to sacrifice for the important thing. And um, the fly is killing me. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had a fly swatter here. He just keeps attacking me. Um, so I, I don't know if that's going to help this uh, conversation or not. Maybe I should forgive the fly. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, he's trying to fly up my nose, so I'll uh, swallow him here in a minute, maybe. Uh, but, but that big picture of forgiveness, Jesus said repentance would be preached everywhere, that we would start there. Um, Acts tells us re repent, forgive, move forward. Um, and I think that's a key cornerstone to leaving me behind and living in the we. What's valuable for us? And what's valuable for us is not what's valuable for me. I have to give up me in order to be valuable for we. It's sacrifice, it's time, it's money, it's uh, energy, it's thought process. It's when nobody else is willing to sacrifice that you're still willing to sacrifice for the big we. And um, sacrifice doesn't seem to benefit me when I'm sacrificing. Now, sometime down the road, I may see the benefit of the big we, and, and it may come back to me in some form, but I can't do it with the idea, I'm going to do this in order for God to pay me back. I'm going to do this in order for me to get something from God. Uh, I have to be giving to God and be content with God's decisions for me in the future. There was a missionary a number of years ago, not in our organization, but uh, he went through college. He studied, studied the language, uh, was given of himself to go to Egypt. And uh, he packed his bags after several years of, of uh, postgraduate work trying to improve his ability to deliver the gospel. And when he arrived, I forget exactly how long, but it was a few months, and he caught a disease and died. And uh, his family said, 
that we're so thankful that God used him in that way. And maybe God could use his blood, his sacrifice to inspire others. And it, it became a rallying cry that God was going to use you in whatever way God wanted to use you in that period of time. And people signed up to become missionaries because they had to be willing to give of themselves, give up their very lives in working with missionaries. I know many of our missionaries are that kind of man willing to give of themselves for the much bigger picture. And um, we're having a new generation of young men dedicating themselves to missions. And uh, it's much needed right now that people would see the bigger picture and would sacrifice. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we were having some conversations with some preachers, and he said, well, I had a parent come to me and said, don't you dare influence my child to become a preacher or a missionary. I've got plans for him. He's going to get this degree or that degree, and he's going to have this education, and then he's going to make this amount of money, and we've got his whole life planned out for him, and, and we want him to accomplish a great deal. And uh, the person that was telling the story was very sorrowful that that parent could only see the value of the money that the child was going to make and the house he was going to live in and not really the eternal home that he could have and many others that he could take with him because we're all influencers. We all have an impact on people, either a positive or a negative impact. So I think the big we is really important. And it can be important in a Sunday school class it can be important as a youth pastor. It can be important as an usher. Uh, it can be important as a praise singer, uh, a worship leader. Uh, all of us who serve eventually understand the value of the big we. But sometimes it takes a little bit to get that going in somebody's heart and mind that this is really important. It's more important than me. It's more important than I or mine. Uh, and I want to work to benefit uh, the big we, the big kingdom of God, and the things that God uh, is interested in. So one of the reasons I wanted to join the conversation was to ask you some questions and uh, to get your input because uh, you're doing this for a purpose. What's your big purpose in interviewing or allowing people to uh, have this kind of conversation? So for me, uh, apostolic theory has always been about, at first, it, it was, I started off doing my own Bible studies, um, and it was just me, and I didn't have any guests, but I got so discouraged, and then I was praying, because my pastor is the one that said, you should do, you should do a podcast, and I said, you've lost your mind, I, I barely like getting up and preaching, and here you've got you want me to have a podcast where someone's gonna have to listen to me talk for thirty to forty minutes. Nobody wants to do that, but I obeyed my pastor and I did it for about two or three weeks, uh, just my own own Bible studies. And I was praying because I was so discouraged, and it's like God laid a few people on my heart. Uh, that I was directly connected to. And I said, okay. And it was, and God said, 
what you need to do is stop worrying about yourself and you need to worry about every person that will hear your podcast and so it from and from that moment forward i've sort of allowed god to lead me to different ministers and and different uh christian influencers um you know that have a heart for the things of god that have a heart to to share things like what you're talking about and so it's very um you know interesting to think about all the different topics that have been talked about in the last year and a half on apostolic theory and the different people that I've hosted and you know when I had sent sort of the introduction to you, you know, it's about encouraging, equipping, and empowering, you know, the church today and helping us, us, the big we, <laughs> go forward together. Uh, I feel like part of this is, you know, I have this, this, this desire to see all the different One God Apostolic Pentecostal organizations together more the big we <laughs> because so so much time the you know at least in Maine I don't know how it is um anywhere else in the world but in Maine it's it's very uh th- there's just uh, this great divide um and so my passion is to see uh, that great divide come to a close right. where there's unity, where there's encouragement, where there's strength uh, with each other. Um, the state of Maine would be in complete revival right now if the ministers of the gospel could get beyond themselves and the past and see the future. That seems to be all of our issues. Um, you know, I like me and I like my ideas and I like doing things my way. And, you know, I, I can see it from a certain perspective. But I have learned um, I really need a variety of perspectives and I really need to listen to a variety of perspectives. Um, I mentioned Brother Long earlier, and uh, he's our camp controller, runs a campground. And he and I have a great relationship, and I was at an event with him a few years ago, and I said, sometimes we work together hand in glove, but we're not always sure who's the hand and who's the glove. <laughs> uh, and, and he does stuff, and we sit and talk, and we play off each other, and we uh, develop ideas. You know, well, we, yeah, we could do that, but if, what if we did it this way? It would really add to it, and that benefit... Uh, but you've got to be willing to let go of your ideas um, and not fight for them to say, oh, that's an improvement on my idea. You know, in yourself, uh, as an example, you started off thinking, well, I'll just do a Bible study as a podcast. And um, I did that for uh, the, the COVID time. I did a morning manna every day for our church. And uh, when we kind of went back to church, I kind of quit doing that. And I had some of the moms of our church come to me 
and say, man, I really enjoyed it listening to you. And I wasn't really getting a lot of that feedback while I was doing it. So I wasn't certain, you know, how much value it was adding to people's lives. But they said, we were really benefiting. I'd listen every day and hear everything you had to say. And it really was a good start to my day. And I realized that I was uh, needing to serve them and not myself. and, and you're doing that. You're serving us, the greater community, with a target to bring us together. Um, so when you ask, that's really what I thought about. You're doing this not for you. You're doing it for your followers, your clientele. And hopefully you have a growing number of followers that are listening. Be a great environment for young men, uh, young ministers, young ladies that are interested in being engaged in ministry to uh, just sit in here listen to listen to people talk about uh, what God's done in their life and, and my voice is not the end of it neither is yours but all of our voices uh, add something to the message New Testament says that there's uh, there's preachers pastors evangelists you know all the, the list of uh, ministries and as a pastor I find all of those ministries valuable I need teachers, I need preachers, I need evangelists, I, I need all the fivefold ministry, uh, prophets, the, the whole shebang to benefit our church because each of them benefits us in different ways. Um, in all of them, some of the ways, uh, you know, there are weaknesses to some ministries. There's some places that they don't do things very well. But the other ministries do them very well. And so the big we, I think God had that in mind. Uh, Pastors are great and important, but really they need the big we in ministry. They certainly need the big we in their congregations, uh, people to pick up and to serve and to uh, give of themselves to the kingdom. So I, I appreciate what you're trying to accomplish. And I see clearly that you've gone from the me to the we. Wow. And I've never I've never looked at it that way. In fact, <laughs> I'm looking back on, you know, the past year and a half that I've been doing um doing the podcast. And there have been times where it was just incredibly frustrating um trying to line up the different interviews, trying to connect with who I felt like God was leading me to connect with. And sometimes it was, you know, God said, this is the person you need for this subject, for this episode, for this time. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, but okay. (laughs) And it's always, it's always worked out. But a lot of times I, I, I would just, I would feel so inconvenienced and I'd feel so frustrated. But at the end of the day... You know, it's like what you're talking about. It wasn't about, wasn't about Brother Brandon, and and how, you know, it's it's about the kingdom of God, and right. I have listeners in probably about goodness, at least twenty to thirty different countries that I I probably can't even pronounce. And, you know, then obviously the United States and Canada, but it's just 
crazy to me to see how far this thing has gone. Well, and let me say this to your listeners. Sometimes they don't think about it, but they can be part of the big we. If they like and enjoy what you're doing, they really do need to share it, repost it, uh, put it on Facebook, put it up in Twitter, uh, put a comment down. That kind of thing really does create energy for the big we. People can participate in your success and uh, you expanding your big we and being a benefit to the big we by helping in that way, uh, by saying something positive. Really enjoyed the podcast with uh, the evangelist coordinator last week that you did uh, or whoever it was the week before, whoever they really enjoyed um, and, and magnify that. One of the things I try to do with my postings is I try to magnify it. I'm engaged with Tupelo. So when Tupelo posts, I try to repost and say something good, positive about what they're doing. And I do it with organizations I'm not directly involved, like the Boys Ranch or uh, Adoption. Um, Sometimes uh, the Adoption uh, group out of Tupelo uh, don't get enough uh, support, posting support, awareness. And if more people would say, hey, I want to be part of the big we, and would magnify others, uh, it's amazing what happens when you're a part of lifting other people up. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think we could see the, the basically, the, the, you know, the vision that I have could see that coming to pass if every single one of us could get on board with what you're talking about today, with setting our us as sort of the goal, the the unity, the togetherness, the and stop looking at it like I did, for instance, when I felt inconvenienced and frustrated, and it was like I could just quit this, but now if I had quit it, you know, a year ago, you know, all these lives that are impacted, you know, by even just the hour every Friday that they tune in and they listen to Appstock Theory, how that encourages them, how that equips them, you know, for different situations in life and different circumstances that may come. And it could be a specific word that they need to hear. And if I, if I didn't do it, miss out I'd miss out right right and and a lot of people don't engage because you know there are a lot of stalkers on Facebook and Twitter <laughs> and, and people try to be invisible and they want to hear they want to see they want to know but they don't engage and I would really encourage anyone that sits on the sidelines to become more engaged with um spreading a message, uh, promoting, and I don't mean promotions, but saying positive things for those people that they value. If they value what you're doing, they really need to not stand on the sidelines. They need to be part of the big we. They need to take it upon themselves to engage the big we. And um, you never can tell where that will lead you and where God will open doors for you as you're 
uh, lifting other people up. I think it's very important that we be lifters of people uh, and lifters of truth and lifters of righteousness. I'm, I'm pretty positive about what's happened recently. Supreme Court with uh, Roe versus Wade. I think that's a very, very positive thing. But there will be a battle ahead, and we need to lift the idea that a human embryo is still a human, and um, uh, allow that kind of thing to be um, uh, something that we value and that we say we value. Right. So there are a lot of things that we can lift and be engaged with that we feel are important. Ideas, entities, organizations, people um, can be lifted. So engage in the big we in, in all areas of your life. And I think um, it will have a positive impact. So as we come to a close on, on this tremendous session, what is one thing the listener, somebody's listened this far, what is one thing that you want them to walk away from this episode with? Well, I think probably the key thing to all of this, and Jesus uh, said it was a cornerstone, uh, and that's forgiveness. Sometimes you've got to be willing to forgive in order to lift and be willing to um, release some things. Sometimes we hold on to things way too long and they weigh us down way too much. And forgiveness is a release. God, you're going to take care of this. You know righteousness. You're going to handle it. And I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to release it. I'm going to re release that person. I'm going to release that entity. Um, that organization sometimes people don't release against their own leadership uh, there's a lot of things that need to be released in order for you to move forward because that's a chain that's holding you back and if you can forgive uh, it lightens your load and enables you to help push and move other things forward the kingdom of God the people of God the purpose of God and you can push it forward if you're not chained to a angry past Wow. That is tremendous. Brother and Pastor Johnson, thank you so much for taking the time out. This has been very insightful. I'm, I'm very excited. So just want to thank you again. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future and hearing what you're doing. And may God richly bless what you're trying to accomplish. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of 
$5 or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.